Hello and welcome to a VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access multimedia channel that brings you the latest research updates in hematological oncology. Today we will be discussing updates in the treatment and management of chronic lymphocytic leukemia, including the relevance of minimal residual disease detection, as well as updates from the CLL14 and Captivate studies. First up, Lydia Scarfo from the Vita Salute San Rafael University and IRCCS San Rafael Scientific Institute, Milan, Italy, talks on the relevance of MRD for chronic lymphocytic leukemia in the era of targeted therapies. MRD is becoming very relevant actually um, so far from a, 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 an investigational standpoint. There are many trials uh, um, that are basing the management of patients enrolled into the trial on the MRD results. Uh, basically, the um, uh, undetectable MRD uh, is related with prolonged progression-free survival and long-term responses, so it's a relevant endpoint in clinical trials. Uh, and also, um, Andy Rostron at this meeting uh, will present the kinetic of MRD uh, in um, a patient treated with venetoclax and uh, ibrutinib in the clarity study, uh, shedding light on the fact that the early um, achievement of undetectable MRD uh, is related with prolonged disease control and higher chance of remaining disease-free after uh, stopping treatment. So uh, these are very interesting and very relevant information uh, I hope we can use in the next future also in clinical practice uh, to improve the management of our, our patients. Secondly, Othman Al-Sawaf of the University Hospital of Cologne, Cologne, Germany, discusses updated efficacy and safety results from the multi-center, open-label, randomized phase 3 CLL14 study evaluating abinutuzumab and venetoclax versus abinutuzumab and chlorambucil in chronic lymphocytic leukemia. CLL14 is a phase 3 randomized trial that um, was conducted um, uh, by the German CLL study group. And uh, in this trial, patients with previously untreated CLL and coexisting conditions were randomized to either receive a fixed duration of chlorambucilobinutuzumab over 12 cycles, so six cycles of obinutuzumab, a CD20 antibody, together um, with overall 12 cycles of chlorambucil and oral mild chemotherapy. And uh, this was compared and, and randomized um, with uh, venetoclax obinutuzumab. So again, six cycles of obinutuzumab together with overall 12 cycles of venetoclax, which is an oral uh, BCL2 inhibitor. And the primary endpoint of this study was the progression-free survival. And we have previously published the primary, anal primary analysis of, of this study last year, where it was shown that there is a significant PFS benefit for patients who received a fixed duration of venetoclaxovinutuzumab. And with the analysis that we now pre pre present at this meeting, we um, wanted to see how do patients perform in the long run, how many patients maintain their deep responses after completing therapy, and uh, we also wanted to see how the safety and overall toxicity of the regimen uh, is when once patients have been off treatment. So the first main finding of this study was 
of this follow-up was that patients uh, overall do maintain their PFS benefits um, after venetoclaxobinutuzumab. So we have a three-year PFS rate of approximately 82% in patients who have received venetoclaxobinutuzumab. And this um, uh, was compared to chloramicinobinutuzumab, where we had a PFS uh, at three years of uh, approximately uh, 50%. So we see that the PFS benefit is maintained. And we also see that uh, in the long run, as we are all, as we are measuring the, the levels of minimal residual disease in the ongoing follow-up, we see that approximately half of the patients who have been treated with venetoclaxomonituzumab still are with undetectable MRD levels, which is com uh, compared to, to chromosolubinituzumab where we only see 7% of the patients having still undetectable MRD levels. So we see that there is also a difference in the maintenance of the deep uh, response levels. We also see that um, uh, those patients who lose their uh, MRD negativity, so to speak, they mostly just have an increase to low MRD levels. So most patients still do not develop disease progression. We have Overall, only 21 disease progressions in the venetoclaxobinutuzumab arm, and of those, only nine required actual next line of treatment. So we do see that patients now that have been off treatment for over two years now, that the majority of them still does not require a next line of therapy. So we also have a clinically meaningful period of a treatment-free um, uh, duration. Um, we also looked at safety, and we did not observe any um, significant long-term toxicity, particularly because the number of adverse events naturally drops once patients are off treatment. So again, we do see that there is an advantage of having a fixed duration approach for the patients. We do see a slight increase in the, in the absolute number of um, uh, second primary malignancies, overall approximately 5 to 6% frequency in the venetoclaxonutuzumab arm and approximately 3% in the chromosillobinotuzumab arm, mostly solid tumors, so no increase of MDS or AML or things that we usually might see after intense chemomonotherapy. However, um, this is something that needs to be further followed up. We don't, didn't see a clinically or statistically significant difference between the arms, um, and we haven't seen any, any clear pattern there. So this is something that we continue to monitor in, in the ongoing follow-up of the trial. So overall, we do see that the, 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 um, the trial still shows that the fixed-duration approach of venetoclaxobinutuzumab is feasible and effective in previously untreated patients. And we are continuing to follow up to understand more about the MRD kinetics in, in this group of patients and to see the even longer um, uh, effects of, of this novel, novel treatment. Finally, Tanya Siddiqui of City of Hope, Duarte, California, discusses the efficacy and safety results of the use of rebrutinib and venetoclax for CLL and small lymphocytic lymphoma. So the Captivate trial is a phase two study that was designed to combine rebrutinib and venetoclax, so a double oral therapy without any IV sort of immune uh, infusions. And the goal of the, of, the, of the trial is to see, is it feasible, first of all, to give the two drugs together um, to CLL patients who've never had treatment before to avoid chemo immunotherapy altogether. And also, is there, if you, is there um, data to support that if you combine the two pills together, can you have patients come off treatment in a year and a half or some such time period so they don't have to be on these pills lifelong as they need to do if they're on individual pills by themselves, like a by, by itself or a by itself. 
So the Captivate trial was designed to treat frontline CLL patients, any cytogenetics um, patients all received three months of ibrutinib lead-in period first as a single agent with the goal or the theory being that we want to reduce the amount of TLS risk or tumor lysis risk by reducing their white count, lymphocyte count, and especially that lymph node burden uh, before introducing the venetoclax. So the venetoclax was introduced as a regular ramp up at month four or cycle four. And then the two drugs were continued together for a total of 12 cycles um, subsequently. And we checked peripheral blood uh, minimal residual disease at, 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 at three to six month intervals along the way um, uh, throughout. And then at the end of um, the 12 cycles of combination therapy, a bone marrow biopsy was also performed to evaluate for MRD. And what we found was that the combination in general was tolerated uh, well. Uh, with the brutinib lead-in single-agent therapy, we found that uh, there was a, quite a significant drop in the lymph node burden um, uh, over those three cycles. And there's a nice waterfall plot in my presentation that shows that. Uh, the ALC, the absolute lymphocyte count, first went up as expected with single-agent ibrutinib and because of redistribution of cytosis that we see in these patients um, uh, in majority of cases. And then it came down before cycle four and venetoclax were to be initiated. So uh, overall, the tumor lysis risk went down dramatically. So at baseline, there were about 24% people who were at high risk, considered to be at high risk for TLS. That went down to 2%. And overall, I think hospitalizations went down by uh, 66%, um, meaning people with medium or high risk TLS would have been uh, who would have been hospitalized. 66% of those were not needing to be hospitalized anymore to initiate the venetoclax. So that was nice. Um, and then with the combination of the brutinib and venetoclax, we saw uh, the peripheral blood flow cytom uh, the peripheral blood MRD, uh, which was detecting MR you know, MRD at 10 to the minus four uh, by flow. Uh, it basically went down dramatically over time, and about 75% people, 72 to 75% people developed undetectable MRD at the end of the 12 cycles of combination in peripheral blood and bone marrow. So there was concordance between the two compartments. As far as safety is concerned, there were no new side effects that each drug by itself would have, would not have caused. Uh, there was a little bit more grade one and two diarrhea episodes, but not higher grade three or four necessarily. And there was a little bit more grade four neutropenia, but not no increase in febrile neutropenia per se. So people might have needed more, in my experience, for instance, I had like 18 patients on this trial. So in my experience, I felt like some people needed to reduce the venetoclax to 300 instead of 400. And some people needed new lasta injections to get their white count up a little bit more than I would have expected if patients had been on one of those drugs by themselves. So uh, manageable, easy manageable. We, we got 90% patients through all 12 cycles of the combination on this study, and only about 5% patients needed to come off the study for adverse events. So that was pretty nice. I thought um, that majority of patients, vast majority of patients completed the entire uh, trial. What's pending now is that at the end of these 12 cycles, um, the MRD cohort, which is what I was presenting on, uh, need, uh, patients that were gonna be randomized 
to, based on the MRD, meaning if the MRD negative, they get randomized to a different placebo versus a group maintenance. Um, and if they're MRD positive, they get randomized between ibrutinib alone versus ibrutinib plus venetoclax continuing. So we don't have results of post-randomization uh, analysis, of course. And there's a separate cohort on the study called the fixed duration cohort, where everybody stops treatment at the end of the 12 cycles of double therapy, regardless of the MRD. So we want to see how they do over time. And I think this trial will give us a lot of information about the limited duration of treatment with this double therapy and the, sort of the benefit of MRD prospectively um, in determining, you know, PFS, uh, progression-free survival, even overall survival, et cetera, down the line, responses uh, and durability of responses, I think, mostly. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and share your thoughts on the topics discussed with us today. Visit vjhemonk.com for the latest updates from the experts themselves, as well as exclusive CLL coverage. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to VJ Hemonk podcasts, which are available on Spotify, Apple and Podbean.